Our lesson this morning is going to be really the first of two lessons because I don't feel like we could talk about elders and deacons in the same lesson. I mean, you could, but that'd be a lot in a, in a short period of time. So it's really going to focus on the first part of chapter 3, looking at the qualities of leaders, as I've called it, uh, that's being given here by the, by the Apostle Paul as he's speaking to Timothy concerning those who would desire to serve as elders. And so I want to show from the scriptures this morning, this morning the qualifications of leadership and their importance. There are a lot of different views today regarding church leadership. We also know today that in various congregations, even in the Lord's Church, there are some leadership positions that exist that are not found anywhere in the Bible. Uh, there are some things that have been created and titles have been given to individuals which are not found or supported anywhere in the scriptures. And we find, as you look in here, as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, we find what's being referenced as the, the position or the, the, uh, the leader, the leadership role, being known, we know it as an elder, as we find here in chapter 3 and verse 1. It's also referred to as uh, the position of a bishop. And we know that in the New Testament, the term bishop, Overseer, shepherd, and elder are used in reference to the very same, we say sometimes, the very same office, or the very same position. Because an elder is an overseer, an elder is a bishop, an elder is a shepherd, and so we find those things being used many times in reference to the same position. As you know, also Paul mentions to those there in Acts, and we talked about those who, uh, shepherds who were among them, how they were to oversee the flock, how they were not to lord it over them, things such as that, referencing the same position we talk about here in chapter 3. And, and while we know there are a lot of different ideas today concerning leadership, there are a lot of different ideas concerning uh, positions within the church, our only concern is what the Bible says regarding such things. We begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and beginning in verse 1, as we find here what we call the, we refer to many times as the qualification of elders. Many Bibles will have the term there, uh, overseers there in chapter 3, which is not an incorrect term, but it's the same idea, an overseer or an elder. We begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and beginning in verse 1. He says here, Looking at verses 1 and 2, we're going to look at these a few verses at a time because of how much I can fit on the screen here. It says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. We want to notice first off, as we look here in the first few verses, the first qualification is not found in verse 2. The first qualification is actually found in verse 1. When he tells us, if a man desires the position of a bishop, if a person says they do not want to be an elder, you can't tell them, well, you meet the qualifications, so you need to be an elder. You can tell them that, but you cannot force someone into being an elder. If someone says they do not desire to be an elder, they have made themselves unqualified. You have to desire that position. You cannot be someone who doesn't want it and be told, well, you're going to be in that position anyway. That's not how it works in the church. Looking at verse 1, he says, If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires, I notice, he says here, a good work. 
This indicates, as we found here in verse 1, that the work, the, the bishop or an elder, what they do is work. It's not something that is taken, uh, being an elder is not a position taken for the sake of gaining popularity. Without desire to be an elder, and without the work that's being discussed here, uh, such a person does not desire to be an elder, or such a person does not desire to do the work of an elder, would not be qualified scripturally to be an elder. We mentioned here next in verse 2, it says a bishop then must be blameless. Blameless is not someone who is, uh, who is sinlessly perfect, but above reproach. It is no ground for accusation. Someone who gets committed sin, which we all know the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they have repented of that sin, can we come back and say, well, they once did this, if they repented of it? We could say that, but it wouldn't be the scripturally accurate thing to do, would it? Because if God has forgiven a sin, if true repentance has taken place, then that person is blameless. Again, not sinlessly perfect, but above reproach. No grounds for accusation. We also find next, as we look here, the husband of one wife, that is married to one woman. This would exclude a polygamist, that is a person who has multiple wives, or one who is married after an unscriptural divorce, as we find in Matthew 19, verses 3 through 9. The only reason for divorce is fornication or unfaithfulness. We find that same idea in Romans 7, verses 1 through 4. Sometimes you'll ask a question here, if you look at this idea of married to one woman, some will ask the question, if an elder dies, is a man still qualified to be an elder? Well, as we know, as we continue reading through here and we look at Titus, we know that the wife and the elder is also to have certain qualifications, right? If the wife has passed away, is it possible for her to have those qualifications while she's deceased? Well, no. Is it possible for him to say, I have a wife, and then his wife is deceased? Now we understand, we oftentimes refer to those who have passed away as our wife or as our spouse, but in the context of a, an elder whose wife has passed away, he no longer is married because the Bible also tells us that when someone's spouse has passed away, they are free to remarry or to marry again. We say that word remarry sometimes as if they've taken a second or third wife or something like that nature, like they're doing something wrong, but that's not the, that's not the context there. So if an elder's wife has passed away, is that person still qualified to remain as an elder? Well, the biblical answer is no, they're not, because they're no longer the husband of one wife. How can she, being deceased, meet the qualifications of an elder's wife? Death ends the marriage, thus he is no longer qualified to be an elder. Looking next here, the idea we find here next in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. He mentions here, uh, so look at the right chapter, Husband, one wife, temperate. Temperate is the idea of self-control, or sober and sobering, sober and calm. Uh, the New King James and King James sometimes use a different word there besides temperance. You look at the next term he mentions here in chapter 3 is sober-minded. That is self-controlled, serious, or of a sound and sensible mind. Of a sound and sensible mind. But also we think about this idea in verse 5, this idea of self-control. It also includes the idea of serious. There are plenty of times in which we joke around. I know here in Nula God, I know other places as well, we tease one another, we kind of poke fun at one another. But I, I think we also know that when we start talking about Bible matters, that we get very serious about it because Bible matters are things that are matters of eternal consequence, right? 
We don't want someone to serve as an elder or as a, a shepherd who is, who is never serious. He always jokes around, never takes anything seriously. We found here that is included with the idea of someone who is sober-minded. If you look at verse 2. He says also next, use the idea of good behavior. That is someone who is respectable, honorable, and decent. Good behavior. That is a very broad term, but we understand we want someone who, who behaves themselves. And though we, we say sometimes, especially for our children, you know how to act. Well, we want our elders to know how to act as well. Of good behavior. And then he says hospitable. That is showing kindness and generosity to guests and to really to others in general. And then we met, he mentions here lastly in verse 2, able, or we say sometimes apt, as the King James says, to teach. That is, they're able, they're skillful in teaching. They have the ability to teach. If you ever go to a congregation or if you visit somewhere sometimes, you, you maybe you're considering placing other, uh, membership somewhere, as we said, we use that term, and we have congregations that have elders. I always wonder sometimes, and sometimes I'm not considering them very carefully, I ask, well, do your elders here teach classes? And they say, well, no, not really. That's a concern, isn't it? I'm not saying elders have to teach every single class, but elders should teach at least from time to time, demonstrating or reminding others that they are able to teach, and they should be willing to teach as well. Let's look next at verses uh, three, verse 3 here. As there are several things here listed. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Looking next at verse 3, we want to break these things down here. He mentions first, not given to wine. The original Greek translation here is not a drinker. I looked it up. I have an interlinear. It shows you the Greek language and it shows you it when you put it into English. The idea literally means not a drinker. Well, if you're not a drinker, does that mean that person is okay to drink alcohol? Because we know there sometimes in verse, people say, verse 3, people say they're not given to wine. They think, well, that means so long as they don't get drunk. No, that actually means not a drinker, which means they don't touch. If you're not a drinker, do you actually drink? No. You can't be a non-drinker and then be a drinker at the same time, can you? Not violent. That is not disposed to fighting. Not, not contentious. We all hear sometimes stories before of unfortunate instances, and I remember hearing one of someone telling a preacher, well, we can just take this outside. Well, that's not a quality we find here, is it? That is, no doubt, violent. Not greedy for money. That is, not greedy of filthy lucre, the King James says. That either being not fond or not fond of dishonest gain there in verse 11. That is someone who's not going to swindle you, right? You know, I've been encouraged many times to, to use a certain business because members were there and they owned it. And sometimes it worked out well. Sometimes I realized I'm not going back there ever again because they weren't very honest. This or this happened. Well, filthy looker is what? Being, is gaining money by dishonesty. We, want, we don't want to be those who are fond of gaining money in dishonest ways. And that would include gambling as well. That would include things like the lottery and things such as that as well. That, those are forms of dishonest gain. As we continue on here, we mentioned here also, he, he says, patient, that is forbearing, yielding, gentle, and kind. Patience is easy sometimes, and sometimes it's the hardest thing it seems like it's, it's, that we could possibly do is to try to be patient. Then he also mentions here, not a brawler, that is not contentious, rather someone who is peaceable. 
Not someone who seeks to, you might say, not someone who seeks to just stir up strife. Not covetous, it's someone who's, who's, who is fond or a lover of money. Not a miser. Now, I have to put this definition here for a reason. A miser is a person who hoards wealth and spends as little money as possible. Now, I tend to be very cheap on things. I don't think I'm a miser. Certain things I'm very cheap on. But the idea here is that when money needs to be used, money is used, right? And then he says, that next, uh, the last part here for, for not covetous is greedy. We do not want to be greedy. We don't want a person who is also greedy. We don't want a person who never uh, is able to, must say, open the purse strings to help those who are in need or take care of whatever need needs to be taken care of. Not covetous. Not a lover of money. In verse 4, in verse 5 here, the Bible says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, for, man, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Looking at verse 4 a little more closely here, one who rules his own house well, the reference to management and control. Management and control. It's like someone owning a restaurant and you put them in a leadership position, maybe a smaller one sometimes. You have those, you walk in, you see they have somebody has a shift leader tag on, and you see the restaurant is just out of control. People don't know what they're doing. They are, are, you know, things are going wrong. Would you promote that person to a higher position in management? No. Well, here we find the same idea, right? Management and control. We want to have our, control, our homes under control. We want to be able to manage them well. It doesn't mean that we know, of course, children will act as children, but we also know that we can do our very best to manage them and to keep our house very well under control. We also notice next year, he says here, uh, in verse 6 and 7, he says, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, when we say novice, many times you think, well, we're talking about a young man. Not necessarily. A novice, many times, actually the definition is not, not one who is a new, new in the faith, not a recent convert, Right? Someone who has been converted, and someone who has studied the scriptures, someone who, who we would not say is a novice, right? Someone who is not new in the faith. Next, we find here a good testimony among those who are outside. That is someone who has who is mature, he has good, he has mature standing, and good reputation, well thought of, have a good standing with others who are outside of those who are not even even includes those who are not members of the church. What do other people think about you? Now, some may not like you because, well, you stand for the truth. And some may not like you because of jokes you say outside of church services, right? There's a difference between the two. Our good reputation out among those who are outside, as we find there uh, in verse 7. He says he must have a good testimony, as we find there going back to verse 7. He must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach. Into us and in the snare of the devil. We want to be those who are knowledgeable enough to be able to avoid temptations and must they not be easily swayed to go off into temptation. Failure to meet any of these qualifications will make a man disqualified to be an elder. Now, there are, if you kept count there until this one here, 
There are 17 qualifications listed in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 7 alone. 17. What's interesting is Paul also mentions things in Acts about how shepherds should not lord it over the flock, right? That is, they don't lord their power, their authority over people. They don't abuse people. And we also find from here in a moment that Titus also has some more things to say. He repeats a few things, but he also has even more things to say. But we find here there are at least 17 qualifications mentioned for elders. And again, there are no exceptions mentioned here by Paul. He doesn't say, well, this person, you know, if they have this qualification, everything else is just fine. He doesn't mention any of that. Next, we want to notice the qualifications because they do go hand in hand that we find from Titus. And we'll be looking at Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. As you look at those qualifications, they're also mentioned there in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Now, we'll begin first again looking at some of these verses together, and we'll, we'll mention here some of these will just simply say found in 1 Timothy because we're not going to repeat the same definitions over and over and over again. We look at first, you look at Titus rather, chapter 1. Looking at verses uh, 5 through 9, he says here, For this reason I left you in Crete, you should set in order those things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I command you. Now, does that mean no matter what you appoint elders? Why would he go through all, why would Paul mention all those qualifications in 1 Timothy 3? The most important thing was just simply having elders. It goes without saying, or it should, that he's talking about qualified men, because as we continue reading, he actually even mentions some other qualifications. He says, as you sit and order things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I can manage you. And then he begins to list several things here in chapter, chapter 1. He says, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having, having faithful children, not accused of dispensation or insubordination, Who's he talking about, the parents or their kids? Oh, he's talking about their kids, isn't he? But see, because we find here that as we talk about the qualifications of elders, and as we'll talk about next time deacons, that children do have a part and have the ability to make their, make their parent, make their father disqualified from being an elder because of their behavior as well. Because you find here in verse 6, the man is blameless, the husband of, of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dispensation or, or insubordination. He's talking about the children there. So we find here in verse 7, we'll continue reading before we get through the rest of this. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he, may, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. Now let's look at some of these things. First, he mentions blameless and husband and one wife, again, found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, right? Then he mentions having faithful children, not accused of dispensation or insubordination. Faithful children, singular or plural, is the same term used interchangeably throughout the Bible, which means you're talking about one child or having multiple multiple children. Because think about this. Someone asks you if you have children. You only have one child. Do you say, no, I have one child? No, you say, yeah, I have children. I have one child. Right? We have still one, it's still children either way, right? The plural and the singular are used interchangeably throughout the Bible. Faithful children indicates here a, indicates a Christian, 
not someone who just attends with their parents, but a Christian, right? And then he also mentions several other things. Blameless, he says, as a steward of God. A steward of God is someone who is faithful in management, faithful in being able to manage things. We're not talking about just a checkbook. We're talking about being able to manage what? Members who are struggling, members who are faithful, members who are hurting. Be able to manage those who are trying to bring in false teaching. Be able to manage those situations. Not just certain things, but situations as well. Not self-will. That is arrogance, overbearing, or even stubborn, as we find here in this definition. Not arrogance, overbearing, or stubborn. You ever known someone who maybe you've had a job before and someone's promoted and they became a boss? And a few weeks later you realize, man, I wish they weren't a boss because they are really overbearing. That is not uncommon today, is it? Overbearing is something that should not be a part of the cloth. It should not be something that the, an elder has when it comes to his characteristics. He mentions here, not quick tempered, that is not soon angry. We understand what that means, simple enough. Not given to wine, also found in 1 Timothy, right? Not given to wine. Now, it's interesting that here we have a little more detail concerning this not given to wine. Because here in Titus, Titus 1 and verse 7 where it's mentioned, the original Greek language indicates by the side of, that is by the side of wine. So by the original Greek standard in Titus 1 verse 7, it means you don't get next to wine. You don't get close to wine. It's not... We think about some of these modern translations sometimes. The wording isn't actually giving us the proper idea. Not giving it much wine makes us think, well, we can drink a little bit, right? But the idea, according to the Greek, is you don't get near it. Because the Greek language tells us not by the, by the side of onos or by the side of wine. So an elder must not be by the side or near wine, therefore abstaining from intoxicating drinks, right? If we're not near something, it means you don't have anything to do with it. And then he mentions also several others that are found in 1 Timothy 3. He mentions not violence. He mentions not greedy for money. He mentions hospitality or being hospitable. And then he also mentions next, as we find here, one that's not mentioned in 1 Timothy 3, is a lover of what is good. A lover of what is good. To be lovers of what is good and all that is good, what does that mean? It means you love and you appreciate the truth. Sometimes you have people who hear a Bible lesson and it was very sound right down the line and they say, well, that's what it's supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to hear. But we should have an appreciation for it, right? Lover of what is good is we love truth. We love soundness. We love sound teaching. We are grateful for it. We are thankful for it. They also mention sober-minded, which again, which again is found in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. Then he mentions being just, that is upright, righteous, Doing what, what one, doing, what, doing what makes one just or righteous, exclude the wording on that, Do, doing what makes one just or righteous. Holy means devout, pleasing to God. Then he also mentions self-controlled, which is temperance and disciplined. Now all of Titus chapter 1, verses 1, chapter 1, verses uh, 5 through 7 here, comes into play, but also notice in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, he talks about how the elder should also be one who is able to oppose and refute false teaching. Right? All of Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 
talks about clinging to, clinging to being devoted to the truth for the purpose of being able to oppose or refute those who contradict sound doctrine or sound teaching. We must understand unsound teaching must be opposed. The gainsayers, he mentions there in Titus 1 verse 9, is one who speaks against or who contradicts. doesn't mean they contradict us. We mean they contradict the truth, which if they contradict the truth, they should be contradicting us too, right? Because we should be those who are speaking and teaching truth. You think about all those things that are mentioned here in 1 Timothy 3, those that are mentioned in Titus, if you look at Titus, the different ones he mentions, you have here, I, I didn't count up all the different ones, but you have see, 17, 21, 22, 23, 24, at least 25 if you combine 1 Timothy 3 and Titus. 25 different qualifications. 17 in 1 Timothy 3, eight more in Titus are different from 1 Timothy 3. I think if you look at Titus chapter 1, verse 9, you'll find probably more than just one in that section there as well. Being able to recognize error and also being able to refute it. Recognizing it is one thing, having the courage and the boldness to refute it is another, right? A lot of qualifications mentioned concerning elders. For that reason, how important is it that we look very closely at the scriptures and look very closely at those who are trying to serve, who, who desire to serve as elders? You know, if someone desires to serve as an elder, and after time can come to themselves and come to realization, you know what, I'm really not qualified to be an elder for whatever reason. You know, in all reality, we should, we should respect that. I'm very grateful for those who decide, you know what, I'm not qualified to be an elder for whatever reason it may be, because at least they're honest, aren't they? We want those who are saying, you know what, I look very closely and I just don't, I don't match up to all that yet. Maybe one day I will, maybe, maybe I won't, maybe it'll just always be something I've got to work at, these different areas, but at least they're honest, right? Wouldn't you rather have that than have those who say, well, I'm, I'm qualified to be an elder, but in reality they're not even close. They get up when they become an elder, if they were to become one, would only wreak havoc in the church. See, as we say sometimes, and make sure you hear me carefully, it is much better to be scripturally unorganized. I mean by that, to be scripturally without elders than to have unscriptural elders. There's nothing wrong with having a congregation that does not have elders because they do not have qualified individuals. And it's a very big problem when you have congregations, you have elders who are not qualified. At least one is being honest, aren't they? We know that just because the congregation has elders doesn't mean there's a chance they're not qualified, because that's probably not the case. Many of, many, most of our congregations, I can say, or many of them, have very good, very qualified men as elders. Some, unfortunately, do not. Some will, in time, have elders, perhaps, in the future as well. But we want to be honest in all those things when it comes to considering elders in the church. Lessons for us today. There are qualifications for church leaders. There are qualifications. Not just anyone can serve as an elder. Can just anyone serve? No, they cannot. Just because someone is kind and nice, has a business, is successful, or whatever it may be, it doesn't make them qualified to be an elder. Are the men the only ones who can serve as elders? Yes, because the men are referred to as those who have one wife. It must be talking about men then, right? 
a husband of one wife. It's spoken of in masculine sense many times there in First Timothy chapter 3 and also in Titus chapter 1. Are those who serve as elders who do not meet the qualifications of elders unscriptural? Yes. Is it possible that throughout the time, or maybe men who were put in place were never actually scriptural elders, but just because they now serve as elders, does that mean they have to remain there? No. Or can they still be unscriptural despite them being placed in that position? Yes. There are so many things there for us to consider. Even one might think, well, how can someone ever be an elder? You know, there are things there, there's most of those things I think we can say that any Christian, male or female, there are many, many things that we can all possess as characteristics of a Christian. You think for just a moment, I want to just give you a few examples. Just in 1 Timothy, a Christian who is blameless, is that a good thing? Yes. A Christian who is temperate, is that a good thing? What about one who's sober-minded, or one who has good behavior, one who is hospitable, one who is able to teach, one who does not, who is not a drinker, right? Again, just in 1 Timothy 3, one who's not violent, a person who's not greedy for money, a Christian who is patient, who's not a brawler or covetous, a Christian who, is not, who is, has a good testimony among those who are, who are even not members of the church, See, there are many qualifications in which we can still, as even if we're not desiring to be an elder or unable to be so, because the Bible says men, right? But we find that more can be, can be applied to Christians overall, right? So much of those things. We look at Titus chapter 1. What does he talk about that can be applied to all Christians? We also talks about being blameless as a steward of God. He talks about not being self-willed, not being quick-tempered. He talks about uh, being a lover of what is good. He talks about being just and holy and having self-control. And yes, he talks about one who stands up for the truth. Can that be applied to any Christian? Yes. We want to be those who stand for the truth and stand against religious false teaching. What qualifications, and yes, this is a lesson we can learn, what qualifications are missing in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1? Nothing is said concerning wealth, right? Nothing is said concerning popularity. Nothing is said of secular education. Now, notice I said secular. Do we need to have education in the Word of God? Yeah. Nothing is said uh, concerning all, so many other things because all qualifications are related to spiritual matters. They all relate to spiritual things. Does God accept an elder who doesn't have a whole lot of money? Yeah. Does God accept an elder who isn't very popular in his, in his community, hopefully because he's doing what is right and pleasing before God? Yes. Does God accept an elder who doesn't have a degree from a college? Yes. Because God sets forth his qualifications and his requirements in 1 Timothy 3 and also in Titus. We also, if we're honest, we find other things that are also even sprinkled throughout the New Testament. Paul mentions those there in the book of Acts as well, right? God knows the kind of person he wants serving as an elder. But many times we have to ask ourselves, do we want the same thing that God wants? Consider this as we close this morning. 
God has always looked at the heart of man, especially for his leaders. He has always looked at the heart of man. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, looking at verse 7. When I say look at the heart of man, I'm not saying that we say that person has a good heart and overlooks all their, all their disqualifications that they, that they fail to meet, right? That they are disqualified because they, forget, they don't meet those other things. We're not saying the heart trumps everything else. We look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. What does he say? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. Meaning just because I said this man wasn't fit, don't think it was because of his physical stature or because of his appearance. It wasn't because he wasn't good looking enough or because he wasn't a stocky person, a strong person, or a weak person. He says, For the Lord does not see a man as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You think about those qualifications that we saw in 1 Timothy 3. Do those things not reveal the heart of a man? One who is patient. One who is hospitable. One who is not angry. All those things we go through all those again. Don't they reveal the heart of that person? That's why a person who has those qualifications, have those characteristics, truly is qualified to be an elder in the Lord's church. Because that's who the Lord accepts as an elder. Any Christian, as I said before, can possess many of the qualities discussed, and as Christians, let us be those who strive to possess such qualities as they fit men and women. Because they do fit, so many of them do fit and apply to us still today. If we want to be a, a good, solid, faithful, determined Christian, you will not bend when the wind blows of difficulty. We want to be those who are striving to have these characteristics. These characteristics, Because when we do have them, we will be those to be able to stand during difficult times. We will be those who, be, who if we are a, a brother in Christ, if we are those who meet those qualifications, we'll be those who, who are able, we desire to do so, to be able to serve as an elder if we choose, if we meet those things that God has laid out in His Word. Again, the Lord mentions... Through Paul and through Titus, many, many things. Because the Lord wants not just anyone to serve as an elder or as a bishop, as the term is used there. He has a very specific type of person in mind. So let's be those who, when we talk about those types of things, we look for those same qualities. And we, when we see those things, as the Bible says, we are those who love good, that we love and we appreciate those who, who have those characteristics. This morning, as you think about these things, if we can help you or encourage you in any way, you can come forward now. That's going to be saying, sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>